What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a podcast we call At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Gary Niffin. This is episode 34, but also season two of At The Buzzer. Today, I will be giving you all one final preview. A time before dreams of hopeful Phoenix Suns fans are crushed. A time before one of your favorite players requests a trade from the team you thought really had a shot this year. A time before all these predictions and assumptions are put to the test. Because that's right, the NBA season starts tomorrow. Before we get going, um, I just kind of wanted to explain why there has been such a gap um, from this podcast in episode 33, which I put out uh, back in uh, either June or July. Um, It's been a while, obviously, and I'm sorry about that. Most of you know I was planning on playing at a school out in Dallas, so the summer was really dedicated to to training and uh, also work to save up money to get out here. So I haven't had a lot of time for the podcast. Unfortunately, uh, things have kind of not worked out out here uh, from a school side of things, so I have a little more free time. Um, I was all I was always planning on getting to the po- back to the podcast eventually. But uh, an opportunity's kind of presented itself, and the timing did line up right before the NBA season starts. So I'm excited to uh, to get back to it. Um, we'll get right into it, you guys. I think I think we got a good podcast today. Uh, first off, I just want to start with who do I think is going to win opening night? Opening night, uh, we have two games tomorrow. It's the Raptors and the Pelicans, and the Lakers and the Clippers. I'm going to take Raptors over the Pelicans with Zion out. I know that's crazy to think about a rookie, but I genuinely believe Zion has the ability to, you know, maybe make that game a little more interesting. But I, I think I still would have gone Raptors, but with no Zion, I'm for sure going Raptors. Obviously, uh, Pelicans are a young, exciting team. Even without Zion, they're going to be fun to watch, get out and run. With Lonzo running the show, he looks comfortable and confident so far. Uh, so they definitely could give him a run, but I, I think the Raptors will try and, you know, come out and get the first win of the season, get it off to a good note, prove that, you know, they weren't so quiet-reliant. Now, I don't think they're some ridiculous team. They're not the same caliber of a team by any means that they were last year. But I can guarantee if you're on that Raptors team, you feel like you have something to prove coming out this first week. Um, Lakers-Clippers. I mean, how great is this for NBA fans that the first, that well, I guess technically the second game of the season, right behind the Pelicans and Raptors, we get Lakers-Clippers. That's awesome to me. I mean, that's the matchup everyone wants to see. It's the Battle LA. It's where all the, you know, big time moves it seems like happen this offseason, especially with no KD in Brooklyn yet. If if you had that, then you could say that was the biggest move, but with no KD in Brooklyn to start the season, who more do you want to watch than the new look Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George and the Lakers with Anthony Davis and all their new additions as well? I think that's going to be a great game. I think it's the second game of a doubleheader. I think we're going to get a really close down-to-the-wire game to start the season there. Uh, I, I'm going to take the Lakers. I'm going to take the Lakers. I think they just looked... <laughs> it's preseason. I don't want to get carried away. I really, really don't. But Anthony Davis and LeBron James are on the same team. Do with that what you will. They're on the same team. That's two very, very, very great NBA basketball players on the same team. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. 
Anthony Davis is a Laker. He's running the pick and roll with LeBron James. I know what the Lakers looked like last season. I understand if you have doubts and things like that, but this team is legit. This is coming from a Clipper fan. I think we're in the mix, too. We don't have Paul George this first game. That makes it tough. But I think we're in the mix. But I'm sorry, that Lakers team is the real deal. The real deal. And I think if I had to take a guess, I'm saying the rest of the league is trying to get to their level. That's my take on it now. Obviously, season's long. Injuries happen. Chemistry issues happen. Things can change. But the way the Lakers have looked in preseason, and yes, I am aware it's preseason, but it still shows flashes of schemes and strategies they can they can apply to what they do. And from everything I've seen there, it looks really, really good. So I'm taking Lakers over the Clippers. I'm taking Raptors over the Pelicans. All right, now we'll get into some more big picture stuff. Obviously, there's so much to talk about. Um, but considering this is the episode right before... Uh, right before the season starts, I do kind of want to give you guys my predictions before the season starts, so then we can look back at this episode and see how things change throughout the course of the year and, of course, by the end of the year, because obviously not every prediction I'm about to make is going to be right, and some, it, I think it'll be funny to look back in October and see how wrong they were, and also I think I probably will get a couple of these right, just saying. Uh, we'll get into the playoff picture first. I'll give you guys my my guess for the playoff picture, my prediction for the playoff picture. Uh, in the Western Conference, um, I have the Nuggets as the one seed. I think they're a young, hungry team. Uh, they showed they have, they're have they built for a lot of regular season success. I think they can be good in the playoffs, but this is a team that really can win a lot of regular season games, I think. I think they'll be around 60 wins or so, pretty close to that. Uh, I have them as the one seed especially because they're going to be a team that does genuinely value high seeding and home court in the playoffs. They're a team that I feel like needs to be the highest seed they possibly can be because that can make the difference between them winning or losing a postseason series. Uh, number two, I have the Lakers. I know a lot of people have the Lakers, you know, maybe around the four seed because, oh, it's a team with LeBron and even AD sits games out. So they're not necessarily going to worry too much about the regular season. The way I look at it, is if everyone stays healthy, LeBron and AD probably play, what, a combined 65, 70 games together? And with how good those two look on the court together, I could see if they play 70 games together, to me that's 50 wins. You still have 12 more games on top of that. Um, I just, I think that would be something that, you know, I see them winning probably around 55 games or so. Clippers, I have three. Um, I think they'll be really close with the Lakers. I think they'll probably be around a 52 to 53 win team. Um, I mean, they're, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. Those top three teams are going to be good. I just don't see a way around it. Uh, number four, this is one a lot of people, I think, have them lower, and it's the Warriors. So I've got two, three, four, all California teams. I know. I know. That might be bias, I guess. Um, but the Warriors are, are, I think we've almost now underrated them because they've lost Kevin Durant and I get it. Clay being out does hurt them, 
But Steph, D'Lo, Draymond is still a good team. And when you get Clay back in what, let's say March, that's still a month with Clay. Maybe even a little more, depending on when he returns. So the way I'm looking at it is this is still a very good team. Obviously, their bench depth hurts them. It's not the same as the Warriors of the past where, man, they, they got this great starting unit. And then even when they go to the bench, their bench unit's better than all the other bench units. That's not the case anymore. I'm with that. But I just I think Steph's going to have an incredible year with going back to just fully being his team, not having to split shots with KD. Not saying that's a bad thing. Obviously, it resulted in rings for them. My point is you didn't get to see Steph at full capacity where he's coming down every possession and the whole offense is revolved around him. He has freedom to take whatever shots. There's a certain level of confidence that creates in a basketball player that allows them to get in a rhythm on almost a nightly basis, and that's what I think we're going to see from Steph this year. I don't know if he'll be as good as his unanimous MVP season, but I expect to see something a little more in that direction. And I think if he's close to that, you are looking at a 48-50 to 50 win team, a top four seed in the West. Uh, the Blazers, I have them at five. I know a lot of people are even talking about the Blazers possibly not making the playoffs or something like that, uh, or you know, being one of the low seeds. This is a team that's proven us wrong every year. They proved doubters wrong every year. I, I, I almost wanted to put them higher, um, but I'm going to put them at the five. I would not be surprised to see them climb higher. This is a team that always surprises. You think they're going to be a seven seed, they end up being a three seed. You think they can't go a certain distance in the postseason. They just made the Western Conference Finals last year. This is a team that slowly but surely is getting more and more confident, more and more of a culture built uh, with obviously Dame and CJ at the forefront of that. But there's a certain culture in place in Portland right now that I think is is very very good they t- said uh, i think it was dame said this was the first year when they all met and hung out during the off season and they talked they actually talked about competing for a title this year in the past he said it's always been okay we got to get to the playoffs and then once we get to the playoffs we'll worry about that but this year and granted mate you know hopefully that doesn't hurt them because they start thinking too far ahead but this year it's hey, it's a wide-open field right now. Why not us? That's the mentality of the Blazers. And I'm sorry, but I'm not betting against Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. I'm just not. I've got the Rockets at six. This is The Rockets are a very hard team to gauge for me. I, I feel like the preseason didn't give me enough of a look at how Harden and Russ are going to work their games together, other than it looked like Westbrook's just going to take a huge step to the side and let Harden still do his thing, but I can't imagine that working for a whole season. So I do think they'll have some ups and downs. That's why I have them at six. Now, there is a possibility. They're they're really hard. I, I think they're more likely to struggle and end up at six. And not struggle, but have some ups and downs and some rough patches and end up around six. But there is also this scenario I could see definitely playing out where they flow really well and they're a top two seed, if that makes sense to you guys. It's, But if I'm a betting man, I'm saying they end up on the lower side of the four seed as opposed to the higher side of the four seed. That's the way I see it. I've got the Rockets at six. Jazz at seven. Another team a lot of people I've heard having them top three in the West. I get some of these teams are built for the regular season. I get that. And I get maybe the Clippers and Lakers, you don't see them as much as teams built for the regular season. 
but there's still so much talent and so much superstar power on those teams. I still think they have to win. They're both going to be 50 plus win teams, I think. Now the Jazz are very good, but you got a lot of you got some new pieces that you have to make work. You've got Mike Conley, you've got Bogdanovich. There's there's guys you Bogdanovich. There's guys you have to make fit in and make work. Uh, so that could take some time. And I'm sorry, you guys, but the West is really freaking good. Right? I mean, the Western Conference is ridiculous right now. So I get you being like, well, the Jazz should be higher. Okay. Okay. But where? Maybe you think they're better than the Blazers or Warriors, but there's also a chance they're not, right? We have to see. This Western Conference, one through eight, anyone could end up anywhere. Because number eight, I have the San Antonio Spurs. And this is a team that a lot of people are saying if one of the eight Western Conference teams is not going to make it, you know, one of the the ones we kind of all assume, it would be the Spurs. I also could see the Spurs being a top five seed because Greg Popovich is a very good coach. You've still got DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge. you got DeJounte Murray back. Derek White looks better. I'm just saying the Western Conference is deep, and we all need to be understanding that it is going to be a roller coaster of a year in this conference. I'll tell you real quick. I'm not going to explain my reasons too much, but uh, the rest of my Western Conference picture, I have the Mavericks being the first team out. Uh, I've got Kings following them up. I really do like the Kings. I think Mavericks and Kings both are going to be in the discussion for that eight seed. Uh, and I think youth at the end of the year will get them. They won't be able to close quite enough games out, despite I think the Mavericks have a legit closer in Luka Doncic. I just think the youth will kind of come to bite them. We've got Pelicans at 11, OKC at 12, Timberwolves at 13, Suns at 14, Grizzlies at 15. The one that I'm I'm interested in out of that group is the Timberwolves. Uh, I heard Kendrick Perkins talking about it. It's put up or shut up time for them. A lot of talk. A lot of big contracts, a lot of controversy with the Jimmy Butler being there, leaving. All right, well, now you've got Ryan Saunders as your coach, young coach. Now you've got your team back, Cat. It's your gig. Andrew Wiggins, you don't have to worry about splitting shots. You didn't last year either, but now you got a season with a whole training camp built towards that. So let's see what they do. I, I just don't think those guys are quite built for that, though, to be the lead guys. And I think they end up as like around... You know, the 13 to 12 seed in, in the West. I really do. Um, Eastern Conference, I've got Bucks at 1, Sixers at 2, uh, Pacers at 3, Celtics at 4, Nets at 5, Heat at 6, Raptors at 7, Pistons at 8. Uh, Bucks, I just think Giannis is a man on a mission. I think they've got a team that's, that's built to win close to 60 games every year right now, as long as Giannis can stay healthy. Sixers, I mean, I think Embiid's going to come out and have probably his best season. I think Simmons is going to come out and have his best season. And if that's the case, they're going to be right there with Milwaukee throughout the whole year to have the best record in the Eastern Conference. Uh, number three, I've got the Pacers. Uh, Oladipo is going to be back. I just I just think they're, they're a good team. I think they're a gritty, hard-nosed team that just knows how to win games. I really like Nate McMillan. Um, I, I I think you know I love the Malcolm Brogdon pickup. Um, I don't think they've got Oladipo back. You know the first week, so I think that could that could you know. But shoot, we saw them win games without Victor Oladipo last year. This is a very capable team team of winning games even without their best player. 
but they are going to get their best player back, and that's going to change things. And I'm telling you, do not sleep on Malcolm Brogdon. This is this guy is a very good, solid NBA guard. And I think him and Oladipo in a backcourt, that's going to be a defensive nightmare for a lot of other backcourts. And I think it's going to be an efficient team that that is going to, quite frankly, I think can compete to be in the finals. I think they're that good. I think they're that well coached. I think that's how they operate. Celtics at four. Uh, I wanted to put them a little higher, but I started thinking more about it. This Celtics team, a lot of these guys are guys that went and played for the USA team and they couldn't win. Now, I'm not putting that against them too much. I get it. The The rest of the world's getting better. But the NBA is still the best league with all the best players, pretty much. And you guys were losing. I don't want to simplify it. I know there's a lot more factors that go into international playing stuff. But at the end of the day, a bunch of those Celtics players went on the USA team and then went and lost to a bunch of got a lot of teams that had only a few guys in the NBA. All these teams you're going to be competing against have all the guys in the NBA. Everyone's in the league now that you're playing. Every single one is good enough to be in the league. So uh, I get strategy and coaching and all that does play in. But I, I think, you know, I think the Celtics team, I'm hearing a lot of people say how they're contending. I, I don't know if they're real contenders right now. I think a lot of it's going to depend on the growth of Tatum and Brown. But I'm not, I like Tatum, but I also don't know if he's that guy. If he's your 6'8 go-to killer wing that leads you to a title. I don't know if that's his, if that's where he's ever going to become. Which is fine, not a lot of guys do, but I'm just saying, I think that's kind of how Celtics fans view him. And I don't necessarily think Tatum is that. Uh, Nets at 5. They've got Kyrie. They've got a good supporting cast. This is a team that could go higher, but I also am a little skeptical about being a Kyrie-led team. Once they get KD back, it's a whole different world, but being led by Kyrie makes me think they're a middle of the Eastern Conference playoff picture team as opposed to an upper echelon one. Uh, that being said, I like Karis LeVert. I like Jared Allen. I like uh, Joe Harris. I think they've got a good team. With good pieces. Uh, they've also got Cal Poly alumni, David Nwaba, shout out. So I mean, this is gonna be this is gonna be an interesting year for them. I'm curious to see how it plays out with no KD. Heat at six. Uh, this is full faith in Jimmy Butler getting to be the main guy on a team. And let's see what he does. I think I, I really like Jimmy still. I understand why a lot of people are kind of down on him and stuff. But I think Jimmy's good enough to be the number one player on a playoff team. Not a contender, but he can be the number one player on a team that's in the mix for the playoffs. I think the Heat will be six. Plus, they've got Tyler Hero, and he's a bucket. Uh, Raptors at seven. Uh, this is going to be the year of Pascal Siakam, I think. I think, you know, he just signed the max contract. I think we really get to see him expand his game and... Uh, and take over and, and probably be a close to a 20 and 10 kind of guy this year. Uh, I just don't know how many wins it results in. Cause I like their team, but they are, they're another year older. Uh, you grab some young guys like a Stanley Johnson and a Rondé Hawes Jefferson, but I just don't know how that compares to what they had last year. Pistons at eight. Uh, this is just, you know, this is close. I could see them not making it, 
but I'm going to give them the respect they deserve. They made it last year. Blake Griffin's still, you know, a top 15 NBA player or so. And and I like the Derrick Rose edition. I even like the Joe Johnson edition. We'll see what happens over there in Detroit. Rounding out the East, I've got the Bulls at 9. Love Zach Levine. I think Kobe White's going to be good. I like they got Laurie Markinen back and, and Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, Hawks at 10. I think Trey's going to have a great year. Um, I think if they can mess around and be in that playoff picture, this is a dude that's probably an all-star this year. Him and John Collins is a great little one-two punch. I like Kevin Herter on the wing for them. So the Bulls and Hawks are two teams. Uh, if they ended up in the playoff picture, uh, I wouldn't be super surprised necessarily. I think they're both those young and up-and-coming teams that are going to take huge jumps this year and really impress a lot of people. Magic at 11. I know they were the seventh seed last year. I just, I, I, maybe it's just, this one's just kind of a feel to me. I just don't think they're as deep and talented as any of the teams I have ahead of them. Wizards at 12. I know Bradley Beal just signed that big deal. I think he's going to put up ridiculous numbers. Uh, but again, I just don't know how deep you are. I can't, I'm not, I can't just base your playoff seating off. You have a guy that's better than a lot of the teams ahead of you because Bradley Beal is a cold boy. He's better than a lot of these, the best players on teams ahead of him. But I don't know. How good's the rest of your team? I don't care if Bradley Beal averages 28, 6, and 5. If you can't win games, you're the 12th seed. That's where I see him. Knicks at 13, Cavs at 14, Hornets at 15. Uh, all three of those teams are probably going to be pretty terrible. Knicks have the potential to maybe not be awful, but. Uh, I don't see it playing out that way. I see those last three teams being yeah, pretty close to the worst teams in the league. I think Hornets will be the worst team in the league. Let's get to my preseason award winners. Uh, I've got Coach of the Year being Mike Malone, uh, with his two runner-ups being Nate McMillan and Steve Kerr. I told you I think Denver's going to be the one seed. I think they win close to 60 games this year. Uh, obviously now with no with every team having pretty much superstar duos. Denver's got one of the weaker duos. They've got a great deep team, but in terms of duos being Jamal Murray and Jokic, it's one of the weaker ones. So I think, you know, Malone's going to get a lot of credit for the job he's done. Plus, he's been a very good coach for a while now in this league, so I think it'll it'll kind of come as you know, something that he could have won in the past, and now he'll finally get the award. Nate McMillan, I told you, I think the Pacers are going to really shock some people. I think they'll be a three-seed in the East, but I think they're going to be playing really good basketball uh, and doing it with a lot of different guys, which will get McMillan a lot of credit, and I think he is a very good coach. Uh, Steve Kerr is my third choice. I just think the Warriors are going to be, I told you, I think the Warriors are a four-seed. I think that's a lot better than what most people are projecting them. So I think he'll get he'll get some look for coach of the year, but I do think Mike Malone will win it this year. Rookie of the year, as long as he can stay healthy, I can't see why it wouldn't be Zion. I get it, it's preseason, but if you can put your shoulder in Rudy Gobert's chest, knock him back, and lay it in around him, I think you've got real NBA stardom potential. I think if you can shoot 70-80%, you know, from the field like he does, I just he's he's a freak. And, I, and I've been slow to buy into the hype. I got to see you do it in the league. I got to see you do it in regular season games. But some of these the, the skills and the physical attributes he brings to the table, I just don't know 
how many players can do the kind of things he does, and I think that it, it will work. I really do. As, as long as he can stay healthy, the weight and how he kind of gets nicked up from time to time, that all definitely does concern me. But if, you know, best case scenario, he stays healthy, I can't see why he's not rookie of the year because he'll probably be averaging over 20 a game. And he'll be on the Sports Center highlight reels on a nightly, nightly basis. Like every game he plays, he'll probably put down a dunk that's worthy of top 10, honestly. Uh, my runner-up, I've got Michael Porter Jr. We always forget about those second-year rookies when we're talking about who's going to win Rookie of the Year. And then those second-year rookies, the guys that got a year off you know, because of an injury or whatever, usually end up coming out looking like much more polished pros because they've had a whole year to be around an NBA environment. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is like a 6'9", 6'10", small forward, can handle, can shoot off the dribble, moves well without the ball. I think this is a guy that fits in really nicely to Denver and has the potential of, you know, maybe even plugging into that starting lineup throughout the course of the year. Really be on the lookout for Michael Porter Jr. I think he's going to be a big part of their future there. Um, I think he's going to make a lot of teams that pass up on him due to the medical history really regretful. I got John Morant. I almost didn't want to put him in just because it's so generic to pick the number one and number two guys to be, you know, in the rookie of the year race. But John Morant is going to have the ball in his hand a lot, a lot in Memphis. He's going to get the chance to really showcase all his abilities. I think he's going to impress a lot of people because he's so athletic, mixed with such a good skill set and IQ for the game. So I, I, I think he'll be right in the mix. He's a guy that probably is averaging six to seven assists right now. As a, we'll do that as a rookie uh, with, you know, probably anywhere between 12 to 15 points a night. That's... That's a pretty dang good rookie year. That's kind of what I see him doing. Tyler Hero, um, that dude's a buck. He's a bucket. He can score it like an NBA player, not like a rookie that has to take certain. This dude can just run off down screens and knock down shots quick, can do it off pump face, can do it off the dribble. Uh, he's going to be in the league a long time. He's going to be very successful a long time. I don't think he'll be able to put up the well-rounded numbers like the three guys I've got ahead of him enough to win Rookie of the Year, but I think there will be nights where he's scored and you're looking at him like a Devin Booker kind of guy. Like, oh man, when he gets hot and going, you just can't stop him. Um, that's kind of how I see his Rookie Year playing out. Uh, I think he'll show flashes. Miami's going to be competitive, so there may be games he does rookie stuff and they bench him where the guys I have ahead of him, other than Michael Porter Jr., are going to get the chance to play through it. But Michael Porter Jr. is going to be, a, I think, you know, he's a second-year guy. He's going to be a little more posh. I think he'll kind of be able to cut down on some of those rookie mistakes a guy like Harrow might make. Uh, but I've got overall Zion winning Rookie of the Year. Most improved player, I'm going Mo Bamba. Um, I think he needed a year to adjust in the league, figure things out. Uh, he didn't. I think his last game was in like January of last year, um, so you know didn't finish the didn't finish the last few games of the season. It was January or March. I can't remember. It was one of those. Uh, but he averaged six point two points per game and five boards. I I see Mo Bamba being a double double, pretty close to a double double guy this year. I think he's going to get more opportunities in Orlando now. Vucevic is back, so that's that obviously kind of puts him in an interesting position because. Are you going to make the number five overall pick from the year before consistently be your backup center? Or are you going to find a way to move him in the starting lineup and really let him loose? 
because this is a guy that's gonna that you know could be top five in the league in shot blocking if if he can tap into all that potential he has. And I think we're gonna start seeing flashes of it this year. Uh, and I think he'll be the most improved player. I think Orlando gives him a position where he can pull that off. I am gonna say if Mo Bamba is to win most improved player, like my guess, I I would think his numbers are 13 to 14 points a game, 8 to 10 rebounds, and he's probably close to two blocks, if not a little over two blocks a game. My runner-up for most improved players, Lonzo Ball. It just seems like the storyline is really fit for him to be in the conversation. You go from number two overall pick, going to save the franchise, to kind of being a little underwhelming, showing flashes, especially on the defensive side of the ball and the playmaking, but showing, you know, there are some some deficiencies in your game. Obviously, you can tell he's been working on the shot this offseason. Um, we'll see if it transfers over, if he can do it, you know, in a game consistently. He still has struggled a little bit shooting it in terms of percentages in the preseason. But I think Lonzo is going to have the ball in his hand a lot. I think he's going to get to make a lot of plays. I think with a healthy Zion, he makes Lonzo's life a lot easier. Uh, I, I could see Lonzo being close to leading, you know, top five in the league in assists. And if he can just be a little more efficient scoring it, he doesn't have to be a guy that scores a lot. But if he can just be a little more efficient, knock down more free throws, this is a guy that will be in the conversation for most improved player of the year. Uh, my third one's kind of a random one, but I'm going to go with Anthony Simons uh, of the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, dude, can, dude can ball. It's just, to me... I'm a little questionable about him being the most improved player in terms of how many minutes is he going to be getting playing as a backcourt player behind CJ and Dame. But I also, you know, in the small ball world we live in, could see if he ends up being what I think he's capable of being. He's a guy that they they could run some lineups with him, CJ, and Dame and just go real small. But that's three dudes that are killers that have the ability to really attack and score from the perimeter. Uh, and I see Simons, you know, having a good year. I think he's got all the tools. I think he's just kind of got to put it together in a consistent game-like manner now. But I think he'll. I think he's going to have a good year and surprise a lot of people. Six man of the year. Sorry, I'm taking Lou Will. I don't see why he's not going to average 20 points a game, if not more, coming off the bench for one of the best teams in the league. He's won it for the Clippers before. He he's winning it because of his impact being so big for the Clippers before. Now you're telling me he's going to do that coming off the bench, put up probably similar numbers, and he's going to do it on a Clippers team that's much better. It just seems like it's kind of set up for him to keep winning it. Um, and this is a guy, I think he's got probably one or two six-man-of-the-year awards coming his way, and he's going to really start throwing his name in that conversation for the best bench player of all time, especially if he can win a ring or two uh, with the Clips. Uh, Dinwiddie following him up. I know those are two really generic picks. A lot of people consider those, you know, the two best bench players in the league. Um, but that, they probably are, and that's why they're my number one and number two pick. Dinwiddie can do a lot of different things. Uh, I think Brooklyn's going to be pretty relevant. Uh, he's very capable of backing up Kyrie. So I, I, I think I think Dinwiddie's going to have a good year. Uh, my third guy would be Fred Van Vliet. Now, this may just be on some complete fanboy stuff because I think Van Vliet is 
probably my favorite player in the league, if not one of my three favorite players in the league. I just love his game. I love his style. Uh, I think if Toronto's going to be a playoff team, he's going to have to be a huge part of it. Obviously, Kyle Lowry's still there, so he'll be coming off the bench. Uh, Van Fleet will be coming off the bench, I mean, but I think he he's capable of putting up really solid numbers, and especially after kind of having that coming out party in the finals. Guys that know basketball know he, he's been nice and he's been solid and he he's a crafty scorer and whatnot. But once you started seeing in in the finals, you're like, okay, this guy has a bag. Like he is a skilled player. Um, and now that I think he's got a little more of that national attention from that finals run, I think he might have a better chance of getting noticed for an award like the Six Man of the Year award. Defensive Player of the Year, it's really boring. I'm going Gobert. I just I just don't know why he would stop doing what he's doing. Uh, he he's he's gonna keep racking up these defensive player of the year awards. I think I think there's no reason to say Utah's not gonna have one of the best defenses in the league, and he's not gonna be you know the main reason for that. Runner up, I've got Embiid. Embiid wanted to win defensive player of the year and MVP this year. That's what he said. So I'm gonna give him some love and think he's gonna really put uh, you know a concerted effort into being one of the best bigs. Uh, not only overall in the league, but especially defensively in the league. So I've got him as my runner-up. And C, I've got Giannis. You guys know I was I was on the Giannis Defensive Player of the Year MVP train last year. Uh, got one of them. I think he'll be right back in that Defensive Player of the Year conversation just because of how versatile he is. He's still young, still has energy to play on both ends like that. And uh, I think he'll be right in the mix, but I'm going to go with Rudy Gobert. Uh, MVP. I'm going to go Giannis. I know, again, boring. I want to pick someone more exciting, but I all these guys are team a lot of these guys are teamed up now with another star. Giannis's second guy is Chris Middleton, which is a lot weaker than and I really like Middleton. I think he's very good, but he's weaker than, you know, LeBron's second guy being AD or Kawhi's second guy being Paul George. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's got probably the weakest number 2 option. No disrespect to Middleton. I think he's very good. But I think that helps Giannis in, in the voting category with that. Uh, I have Steph being the runner-up. Um, I could easily see Steph winning it. I could see Steph going bonkers and just running away with it, to be completely honest. But uh, I think what's more likely is he'll be in the discussion. Um, but just it won't be like that unanimous here, but he'll be putting up good good numbers. I just think Giannis's numbers will be a little better, and I think his team is going to be the one seed in the East, which helps him. I've got Embiid finishing third. Uh, again, I'm going to get, you know, he he seems determined. It's uh, He said he's lost some weight this offseason, so it seems like his mind is in the right place, and Embiid's one of those guys, when he's really going, he's as hard to stop as anybody in the league. Now it's just, can you put that kind of dominance together on a nightly basis? That's, to me, what this year is about for Joel Embiid. So to summarize that, uh, Coach of the Year, Mike Malone. Rookie of the Year, Zion. Most Improved, Mobamba, Six-Man, Lou Will. Defensive Player of the Year, Gobert. MVP, Giannis. So those are my picks. Remember them. Study them. So then, if I'm wrong about any of them in June when it gets announced, you can tell me what an idiot I am if that makes you feel good. Last thing I'm going to do today, I want to talk about the top three storylines that I'm most excited to watch this NBA season. I'll go through them pretty quick here. Um, 
My first one is, will the battle of L.A. be worth all the hype? Will both teams live up to expectations and meet in the playoffs? This whole offseason has seemed to kind of be centered around Clippers-Lakers, Clippers-Lakers. There's a lot of good teams, but Clippers-Lakers, Clippers-Lakers. All right. Tuesday, we're going to get to see the first glimpse. And I don't even mean when they play each other, is it worth all the hype right now in the regular season. I mean, are they both going to be real deal contenders that could very potentially meet up in the playoffs? Is that what both of these teams are going to be? My bet is yes, but my bet also last year was there was no way in the world LeBron isn't in the playoffs, and that happened, so I do have to have a little more of a perspective right now when it comes to things like that. But I think these are two very, very good teams. I think both teams are going to be top four teams in the West, and there's a good chance we see them match up in the postseason for sure. But I'm very curious to watch that play out over the next, you know, however many months. Uh, My next one is which first, second, and third year stars take the leap to show they can be the franchise player? There's a lot of guys that are in that discussion. Uh, I'll name off a few here that I'm, these are the ones I'm most curious to see in, you know, whether it's their, their first year, you know, in their first year, Zion and Ja are the two to me that have the ability, I think, to, you know, really carry a franchise. Um, And I'm curious to see if they show flashes of that or if we're at the end of the year feeling like there's a little to be desired or if you're going, oh my gosh, they're even better than I thought they could have been in their first year. So I'm curious to see where those guys play out. Second and third year guys, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Luka Doncic, Trey Young. uh, Those are all guys I think are are legit. I think can be, uh, you know, Luka I think can be the best player on a championship team. Trey and De'Aaron I think can be franchise players that their teams are relevant playoff level teams for the majority of their careers and you know a couple years when they get a deep enough team they might be the best player on their team by a hair but they've got a really deep team and they could go on and win rings I see them being those kind of players um Tatum I told you I'm not so convinced on Tatum I think last year you know he took a little bit of a step back but I'm curious to see in year three how he comes out and looks. Uh, I'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt because he has shown he's very capable of being a stud. And then the other one I'm curious about is uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he didn't get enough. I don't think he got talked about enough last year. Uh, I think Ja, if one of the two Grizzly guys is more like, I think Ja is more likely to be the franchise player. But Jaron Jackson's a versatile defender, can score it uh, at all three levels, can do a little bit with his back to the basket. I think he's a very good modern-day big. I just think if one of them is more likely to become the franchise player, Jaw's the point guard. He's already super athletic. Uh, his game just fits that franchise player kind of style a little better. But I think those two could be a really dangerous duo over the next decade or so. Hopefully they can make Memphis relevant. Uh, and then my last storyline I'm interested to, to follow is I talked about it a little bit earlier. Which one of the main eight Western Conference teams will struggle and be at the risk of not making the playoffs in favor of one of the younger Western Conference teams? So I told you my Western Conference standings earlier. You don't have to like the order, but most of you probably 
think the safe bet would be to pick some variation of Nuggets, Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Blazers, Rockets, Jazz, Spurs. Those are like the safe. Basically, it's the playoff picture from last year. Take out OKC, obviously, uh, and then you put back in the Lakers. Right? Because we got to assume the Lakers are making the playoffs, even though they didn't last year. So, out of those eight teams, I think it's very realistic. One of them has a bad season where they just can't get it together. And one of these younger teams, Mavericks, Kings, Pelicans, shoot, OKC could get hot, maybe Timberwolves, maybe. Probably not the Suns, definitely not the Grizzlies. But Mavericks, Kings, Pelicans, to me, those three are in the hunt for one of these playoff spots. But we just have to see how it plays out because if all eight of those teams I had in the playoff picture play like how they should, then they should all still be playoff teams and those teams below them should not be. Mavericks are the one I'm most interested, not even because I'm in Dallas now, but because Luka and Porzingis, if they can both take, you know, continue to get better throughout the course of the year, that's a very, very high level, one of the best duos in the league if they live up to the potential they should. So to me, that's a really interesting storyline that I feel like isn't getting talked about enough is if one of those eight main Western Conference teams wasn't to make it, who would it be and who would replace them? My bet, I told you, I think the Western Conference playoff picture is going to be what I said it is. But if I had to guess, I would guess Spurs struggle a little bit and Mavericks get hot and make the playoffs over them. Okay? So those are my three storylines. Will the Battle of L.A. be worth the hype? My guess is yes. But we'll see. Which first, second, and third year stars take the leap to show they can be franchise players? I think all these guys have the potential to do it, and there's even some more I've left off. But I think best bet this year to show they're the real deal franchise player, if I was a betting man, I'd say Luca and Trey are the two that have the best bet to really show this year their franchise players. I think the rest of the guys could show it in the future. Zion obviously could come out ball out of control as a rookie, and we're like, okay, there's just no doubt he's a franchise player for sure. But guys that would really take that leap, I would say Luca and Trey. Uh, which one of the main – and then my last one, I just said it. Which of the main eight Western Conference teams will struggle and miss the playoffs in favor of one of the younger teams? Is that going to happen? I told you my guess is no, but if it was, I would say Spurs miss, Mavericks go in. That would be my guess. All right, that's all, everyone. A uh, little bit of a long one today. Uh, I'm happy to be back, really excited to be back on the podcast grind. Uh, thank you for listening to At The Buzzer. Please, you guys, like, retweet, share, TikTok, Vine, uh, write it you know, in the sky with an airplane. Send an email to your grandma about it. Anything that has to do with this podcast, help spread the word. Uh, Tune in next week as I will be reviewing the first week of NBA action. Thank you, and everyone have an excellent rest of your day.